0: Hi everyone. Uh, Parshas Chukas Bolok. Lots, uh, lots here. We'll start with a Dvar Torah. So, famous discussion, tragic discussion of Moshe Rabbeinu uh, hitting the rock when he's told to speak with the rock to get water, and all the Mafushim were discussing, uh, you know, what he do wrong and why did he do that thing wrong lots of uh, lots of opinions out there because it's so unclear Um, and the Ksavah Kabbalah is a very interesting approach we'll just add another question is that why did Hashem tell tell Moshe to uh, only speak with the rock if previously he had actually told him to hit the rock previously when there was a a rock that was uh, to give out water Hashem said hit the rock So, what was going on? What changed? Um, Of course, this sort of helps us understand a little bit about what Moshe must have been thinking, but uh, but, but sort of what what was going on. So, Xavakabola Kabbalah says, very interesting idea. He says that the, 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 the relationship to the rock that Moshe had was sort of a metaphor, sort of a muscle for the relationship that Hashem has to Klal Yisrael. And in the beginning, when Klal Yisrael were young, uh, they had been slaves, they were, uh, you know, Amaratim, they were not used to this. You know, the only way to sort of teach them to draw out the water from them, to draw out the, the, the good in them, the only way to do that was really through uh, through hitting. Through hitting meaning through yira, through fear, through through demanding, through making sure it happened. And that's what they needed at that time. And corresponding to that, Hashem therefore said, Moshe, hit the rock. Show that that the place where Kal Yisrael is right now is where whenever you're going to try to draw something out. You could only do it through hitting. And that was what was signified in hitting the rock. However, at this point in time, where Claudius Yisrael had traveled through the Midbar, had this history to them. And yes, it's true, if you read a lot of Midbar, there are a lot of slip-ups. A lot of times that they messed up and maybe they were not presenting their best foot forward. But It does not change the fact that they, they now had some experience. And <clears throat> Hashem told Moshe, you can now speak with the rock. And that was supposed to act as a muscle for Klal Yisrael. That Klal Yisrael, I can now speak with you. I can now be sure that by just sort of expressing my, my will, my desire, without the fear behind it, that it, it'll, it'll get done. You guys have reached a sort of a different place uh, in the relationship. Kalal Yisrael with Hashem, that relationship has now changed. Where it would be appropriate just to speak. And so Moshe was instructed speak to the rock. And and water will come out just by speech. And where did Moshe make this make the mistake? So it, it seems like Moshe's hate, Moshe's sin over here it was sort of on his level of course but it was sort of a failure to recognize that Klal Yisrael had grown a failure to see what they were now capable of and he, he got stuck he got stuck in you know, what was probably is still going to be and he could not see that Kal Yisrael could be able to could, could, could be able to sort of uh, have a different relationship with Hashem. That was his failure. His failure was in, in, in minimizing what Kal Yisrael could be. So I think it's a really fascinating idea. <clears throat> I think it's a very practical idea. I think uh, we're all guilty of this to some extent. So many of the uh, failures in relationships uh, come from the inability to realize that maybe the relationship, it's time for it to change. Maybe something that worked in the past and needed to be in place in the past, it no longer needs to be in place. Y- you could do something different. Maybe with a child you, you have a certain relationship and the child is, is <clears throat> doesn't know how to express this, but it's given, but they are giving you the message that okay, Treat me differently now. I've grown up a little bit. Maybe I needed this this push. I needed this being told what to do, or being told how to be treated back then, and it was appropriate then, but it's no longer appropriate. And to be able to sort of notice that relationships are dynamic, that they change, that things are always moving, that is sort of how we could, on our level, sort of fix the hate of Moshe Rabbeinu. To be able to see Another Jew That that Things have changed now And we, and, and, and they, they could be trusted To do more I think there's a lot there um, You know I could think of Certain experiences That I had in my life Sometimes uh, Through no fault of anyone Not putting anyone down uh, But sometimes You know Maybe a Rebbe Even Somebody who uh, You know Knew me When I was uh, A Bokker I was single I was You know At a certain uh, age, and I, I think the Rabbeim were able to notice. Oh, now this person's grown up. They're, a, you know, they're a husband, they're a father, they're a, uh, <clears throat> you know, they're a parent. Um, and, and and it's it's it feels a little bit different. I think those are the Rabbeim who who, you know, are able to continue the relationship with their Talmudim, and those who feel like, no, I'm going to sort of treat this person the same way I treated him when he was 18, I I don't know if that stays. So, uh, a lot to think about there. And, uh, yeah. Okay, moving on with a story. So I heard a story about uh, Rav David Feinstein. I've been actually looking through the book a little bit. And, uh, Rav David Feinstein was, was going to Ertz Yistral with his wife um, uh, sometime at the end of his life. And they were, uh, they were sort of slated to go um, go to Mar Saba and they were they were going to go and at some point Rodovic said uh, we're you know we're not going I'm not going to Mar Saba so uh, the tour guide you know said well, you know why don't you know why don't we go it's such a holy place so great and Rodovic said you know my wife uses a walker and there's a lot of steps there and I know there's a spot that she could sort of stay, stay down below and she'd be fine with it. She'd be, she'd be happy, I could go up and daven. But at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm spending time with my wife. I want to spend any, every minute with my wife. And this is, this is what I want to be, you know. I, I don't want to, even if it means going to the by the avas. Uh, I, I don't want to do that without my wife. I'm, I'm here on I'm vacation with my wife, spending time with my wife. Uh, I think that's uh, just a, just an unbelievable testament to who Rav David was. Somebody who is known to be an unbelievable posek, but you know all the stories about how down to earth and how friendly and how much uh, friendship and you know his his wife, how much all these things meant to him. So that was uh, just a beautiful story. Okay, so really interesting, <clears throat> Shiloh. So the Shiloh is as follows. Um, somebody sold a dira, sold a house, an apartment, whatever it was, sold it to somebody else. And after two weeks or so, he realized, uh, the buyer realized, we'll call him Shimon, Ruven sold it to Shimon, Shimon realized that uh, this is megachtos. This is there's something wrong with this house. This is not. uh, This is really grounds for just dissolving this altogether. So he goes back to and Reuven said, "Fine, look, you know, that's fine." So now the question became: Of course, he's going to return the money, but there are other costs. There are costs. uh, I don't know. At least in America, there's title costs. You know, there's all sorts of other costs, and so the question is, who pays for the costs of the the initial title, sending it uh, from Ruven to Shimon, and who pays for the the cost of giving it back, right? Shimon saying, "Okay, I want you to be the owner now," right? Who has to pay for all those costs? So, Racine has a. Uh, 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 Sometimes the beauty of Choshe Mishpat is that it could be just uh, you know the machaber who says a regular halacha. We're just not as familiar with those halachas as maybe with Arachayim. But he says as follows: the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, Beis Yosef Paskins, that um, so Ruvain sold some uh, merchandise to Shimon, and Shimon then traveled with that merchandise, he had to pay for, for storage, maybe he was on a boat, he had to pay for space, and he brings his stuff to another place to sell it there. Once he gets there, he looks a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit better, and a little bit more of a, of a thorough inspection, and he realizes that this is a mekartos, that this is not, this is not appropriate, um, this is not, you know, I have to reverse the sale, What's the halacha? He he sends to, to Ruvain, he says, I'm you know, I have your stuff. So Ruvain says, Alright, bring it back and I'll take it back. He says, I don't want to pay for it back. Who has to pay for this to be brought back so that Ruvain could take it back? This is the, the discussion in Shulchan Aruch. So so the, the psak is as follows. Assuming, this is a big part of it, assuming that Ruvain acted in good faith. Meaning Ruvain said, I didn't know either that it was a Mecca's house. I didn't realize that this was defective merchandise. So assuming that Ruvain did not know, so then Shimon is responsible for having, uh, you know, he had to spend money bringing it. That's not on Ruvain. right? You, you brought it there. It's not Ruvain's fault, not Shimon's fault. But, uh, you know, so if Shimon paid for it, he had to pay for it. But in terms of bringing it back, okay, in terms of bringing it back, Shimon says, look, it's a mekak I have every right to leave it right here. I don't have to get it back to you. If you want to pay me, you want to pay for it, that's fine. But I don't have to pay for this. That's the halacha. If Reuven was aware from the start, this is defective, then Reuven would even have to reimburse Shimon for the travel cost of bringing it in the first place. So, Says Zilberstein. Here, you didn't travel to another place, but the point is that there were... It's the exact same idea, he says, is that there were costs in sort of... uh, Again, we didn't change the physical location of the place, but we changed the, uh, you know, the... the, um, How would you say it? The conceptual location, right? Conceptually this changed it changed hands it changed from being Reuven's to Shimon's and that had a cost so it goes like this if Reuven had no idea that this was defective then Reuven says you know I don't have to pay for the the original transfer from Reuven to Shimon Uh, Reuven does not have to pay and Shimon has to incur that loss however if Reuven wants it to go back in his name because Reuven now has to return the money so and Ruvain says so I want to own the Dira again in such a scenario you you have to cough that up right Ruvain has to pay because uh, if you want it back then you're going to have to pay for it and he says that's the Psakh and again if Ruvain was aware of it uh, from the start yeah I knew this is a problem I didn't think he would care but it's and but it's something that is grounds to be considered a Mecca a you know, a dissolution of the of the sale, if Reuven knew about it from the start, then Reuven would have to pay for both. He says that's the Psaac. Very, very interesting. Uh, the, he brings, finally, uh, a Marsham. He says the Marsham discusses a similar case. The Marsham discusses as follows. The case was that Reuven was... Um, Reuven was... Selling a cow to Shimon. Ruvain sold a cow to Shimon, and it took two weeks. But Shimon realizes this is not a good cow, and this is a taos. And so, fine, you're going to return it to Shimon. You're gonna, I'm sorry, you're going to return it to Ruvain. But then uh, Shimon says, Hold on. Not only do I get my money back, I just fed this guy this cow for two weeks. I deserve to get the money uh, of, of all my feed for those last two weeks because it, it was a it was a So in that case, the Marasham, very very interestingly, the Marisham basically said I, I know you think that maybe at the moment that you realize it's Mekhtos now Shimon could just return it and say, you know, the travel costs Right, or the costs until now were on Shimon. But he, he the Marsham saw it differently. The Marsham saw it that look, you are you, you gave me a mechak tos, you gave me a a animal that's no good, and you wanted it to, to get back to you alive. What did it take to get back to you alive? What it took was me feeding it. So it's as if I already paid for the travel costs of getting it back to you. Because I already paid for that, it doesn't matter, it's not a question of did I pay yet or will I pay? The fact of the Shulchan Aruch comes out is that no matter what, is that you, even even if, if Shimon brought it back, it sounds like, if Shimon brought it back and paid for it, right? Ruven would owe him the money, it doesn't matter. I was not responsible to bring it back to you. So if Ruven wants his merchandise back, he has to pay for the traveling of it back, and if, if Ruvain wants his cow back, he has to pay for what got it back to him. What got it back to him was the fact that it was fed for the last two weeks, otherwise he would have died. And therefore, said the Ruvain is responsible to pay Shimon for that amount. So there's uh, lots to think about, lots to talk about, but uh, we'll call it here. Uh, maybe you could think about a package that is sent uh, and there's a mechatzos is the wrong item. Who would have to pay for it? I know a lot of companies have a policy. What would be the halacha? This was brought up by my holy brother Yaakov. It's a good shaila. And uh, to be continued. Have a good Shabbos.